Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Welcome to the last show of 2023. As I walk in, we lock eyes. And you know what he does to me? He gives me the classic head nod. And I'm like, I just give him a head nod back. It was so cool. That was today's guest, Joe Carabeo, talking about running into Brian Wilson, the originator of the Beach Boys, when he was shooting the documentary on their 50th anniversary tour. Joe is a multi-talented creator who got his start producing backyard wrestling videos, but went on to write, shoot, and direct all manner of short and long films, and helping run two of DC's most successful short film festivals. Sifter, review of the week. Maestro, in theaters and on Netflix. This film is not really a biopic of conductor-composer Leonard Bernstein, played by Bradley Cooper, but an intimate love story between him and his wife, Felicia, played by Carey Mulligan. Many of his most memorable accomplishments are glossed over in favor of the tumultuous relationship that was beleaguered by his affairs with men. Cooper, the actor, disappears into the role, creating a mesmerizingly charismatic character. Mulligan is equally exceptional in her complex reactions to their thorny rapport. Cooper, the director, has made some unusual stylistic choices that don't always work, sometimes opting to leave the camera in a distant wide shot or focused on the reactions, not the action. He's also chosen to start the film in black and white, then transition to color, then to widescreen to echo the visual style of movies from those periods. One tour de force scene that really isn't related to anything else is when he conducts Mahler in Ely Cathedral, shot in one continuous take. Even with its narrative flaws and frustrations, Cooper has elevated his accomplishments as an actor and director, creating a compelling look at a complex relationship. I gave Maestro four out of five stars. Okay, so Joe Carabello, welcome to Sifter for the Ear. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Jerry. I know you did lots of stuff in Richmond before you left to Northern Virginia. You worked on RVA Magazine and Project Resolution. But I understand that you're a big wrestling fan and that you kind of got early started with uh, backyard wrestling tapes. What was that about? Whenever I tell the history of how I became a filmmaker, my high school did not have a film class in it. But I was also already a big pro wrestling fan growing up. And where was that high school? I went to high school in Lake Braddock up here in, in uh, Northern Virginia. Okay. But a group of us were like, well, you know, let's film and do our own pro wrestling too. Right. So we had this thing called NWWA called New Wave Wrestling Alliance. <laughs> and we would film and do our own matches. And it's really amazing now because one of my best friends, he goes by the wrestling name is Sanjay Dutt. Right now he's worked for all the big companies, but wow. in high school, it was me and him. I was in charge of the TV, the filming production part, and he was in charge of the wrestling aspect. And we would make these shows. And we actually got on like up here on Fox 5 and all these. We got on Howard Stern, Best of Backyard Wrestling, Volume 1 and 2, that was sold on DVDs across the nation, like side by side with the Girls Gone Wild craze that was happening. Wow. So I have to ask you this because I know it just dropped the Iron Claw. I just saw that too. Did you see I it already? It. I saw it on uh, Wednesday at uh, the Alamo Draft House up here in Ashford, Virginia, had a special screening that was also followed by a live stream of the Q&A with the director and some of the actors oh, that cool. were there. Well, what did you think of the movie? I myself, have you have you seen it already? I'm actually going to see it tonight. Okay, so me being like the Von Erics to me was back in the day, like wrestling royalty, like when you saw Carrie and Kevin right. and all that, you're like, holy man, that's big time. The movie is heavy. It's amazing. The It is a Greek tragedy 
of a, of a family in pro wrestling. Definitely a story that everyone should watch. I'm going to post my review on the website for the show at TV Jerry. But let's back up to Richmond now. How did you get down here? I can see maybe you came to VCU. I went to uh, Nova up here, which is also another great school. And I was like, what is the best film school in this area? And I saw that VCU had a film program that was starting up. And I was like, okay, maybe we can get on the ground level of this thing. Surprise guest drop in. Speaking of ECU, somebody wanted to drop in and uh, recall some stuff. Yo, what's up, guys? Hey, man. This is How's awesome. <laughs> Footnote. Brian Sarvis is the owner and operator of Broken Glass Lighting in Richmond, providing grip and electric services for commercials and movies. So, Brian, he was just talking about the VCU days, and that's where y'all met, right? Yeah, that's where we met. We uh, had class together and literally met each other and five minutes later we were shooting shooting something making a movie <laughs> it was cool because brian and i literally were sitting in our i think it was like the experimental filmmaking class and at the end of the first class i was like is this what the class is going to be and he's like i guess so i was like well i got a camera do you want to just go film some stuff i know we went and filmed something real quick and then i ended up running joe over with my car like five times <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get the shot Oh, great, great. So, and y'all continue to work together. I mean, y'all, y'all are still doing stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Brian, what are some of the things you remember about working with Joe back in the day? Well, I remember doing a, uh, I remember a funny story of us. We literally wrote uh, a short story on the spot and went out to shoot it. It happened to be the day we went out to film it was on 9-11. Oh, wow. We went to all over these different places we went to like electric grid you know like electricity grid place and then we right. went to an airport we went to a grocery store we went all these different spots the only place we got kicked out of was the grocery store but we were <laughs> we were filming the whole day or half the day in the airport and nobody said anything to us on 9 11 wow. running around with cameras and nobody said a word that's crazy i know that joe has got more things going on than anybody i know considering he does music comic books movies still photography model photography like i don't know what else joe you do everything basically <laughs> remember podcasting podcast yeah did you're straight right podcast. that's right joe was also a, a professional wrestler for a while or a backyard <laughs> wrestler for a while there's a story with that too my first week in vcu and there was a guy that kept on looking at me and he was like he was like i've seen you somewhere ah. Were you in the best of backyard wrestling like DVDs? I was like, yeah, I was. I was like, I never thought this would make it into like my college years. That's crazy. That's fun. That's crazy. But no, yeah, me and Joe have been doing things since day one and continue to do it. So it's it's been a great collaboration, and you know, hopefully, we'll just continue to do it until we're dead. <laughs> That's the whole point. There's no retirement here. <laughs> there no retirement. There yeah, exactly. Well, Brian, I want to thank you for dropping in and telling that great 9/11 story. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Brian, good All hearing right. from you, man. That's awesome. You too, dude. Enjoy the rest of the interview. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Let's go back to Richmond a little bit before we go up to Northern Virginia. I know you worked on uh, Project Resolution. What was that? This ties in actually with BCU again, and this is, again, us being rebellious. So we started a film festival called Project Resolution. It will be monthly, and you can bring in the films that you're already working on and you can get feedback from that 
And I think that was in 2003. Yeah, I remember posting it on Tales from the Grips back in the day, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we got big enough, Yellow House wanted to sponsor us, and then we'd have a set location right. at, the, at the firehouse. Right. And we'd be able to see, like, over 100 people, and we'd be able to show our films there with the proper, just upgraded stuff. I know one of the other things you did in Richmond, you worked with RVA Magazine on some projects. So with RVA Magazine, what they wanted to do was we they wanted to have a TV division. And this was almost before the beginning of like YouTube. So they came to me and they're like, we want to have a music show. Can you produce like a music show? And I was like, cool, I can produce a music show because I've been <laughs> doing this, but I want to do it in a weird way, the pro wrestling way. <laughs> okay. I was always a big fan of, I forget, there was a documentary that Jerry Seinfeld did. I think it was called The Comedian. Footnote, Comedian, not to be confused with The Comedians, was a 2002 documentary by Jerry Seinfeld that looked at his process as well as other noted comic. Where you'd see a stand-up, right. and then you'd see afterwards how he felt about the show and right. before. And I wanted to do that with concerts, so we called it RVA TV House Show. And we'd send our crew, we'd go to houses where certain bands are performing, and we'd go to certain venues. But it was complete madness, because it, it's just madness. Like, behind the yeah. scenes, it's just madness. And I'm trying to, like, facilitate that and instigate that. Like, when I went to film Guar, that stuff got really weird. Like, they didn't, they weren't, like, human. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Be, like, girl talk. Tried to get, like, Lady Gaga at the beginning of that. Tried to get a lot of local bands, too. That was cool. We did that, I think, for, like, 32 episodes. Wow. And I think we just had a mental meltdown. We I'm couldn't sure. Do that's it a lot. That's a lot. I know you're involved in two festivals up uh, in the Northern Virginia area now. DC Shorts and then Awesome Con Short Film Festival. So after that, I was making I was making comics. So I was doing that. But with that relationship, I started working with the comic conventions. So I would ask them, like, hey, do you need a commercial? And then Awesome Con was starting up. They took a gamble. We're like, we're going to make the biggest convention in Washington, D.C. that you've ever seen. I was like, I don't know shoot your commercial. And then after a couple of years, it's like, okay, we don't really need commercials as much because we're already established. What else can you do? I was like, do you want to do a film festival? You guys don't have that. And since you're not just a comic book festival, you're a pop culture festival and everything. Like, I don't see a lot of comic cons or pop culture cons that has their own film festival that introduces films to, I always say, the real audience, not just the film buff, but like people who have never been to film festivals before. And they're like, okay, let's try it. We'll do, we'll have, we'll give you one block, one year. And I did that and it completely like got packed. So then the next year I asked them, I was like, can we make this bigger? And so they gave me the keys to the kingdom and like, okay, take this as far as you can. And now it's every single day, films from across the nation, whoever wants to submit. So we're coming into our ninth year of the film festival and I'm so happy that it's just, the audience is so receptive to that. And it's a different audience than a normal film festival, such as DC Shorts. I was brought on to, to program director 20th anniversary. They're like, they saw what I did with Awesome Con. And they're like, we need some new blood. Can you come in and just interject what you would do to our film festival? And how did you make it different? Or what did you interject? I think the programming and just the, the overall attitude. I'm not a very academic person. Does that make sense? I'm not very like... Sure. Me too. So I was sort of like, okay, that's cool, but it seems very studious to me. I'm like, okay, how can we break that to make it more audience involved? I wanted to have a music day. Some people didn't consider music videos as short films. 
And I was like, okay, let me test that. I'm going to have a whole entire day that's dedicated to music and performance. But every single showing sold out. Wow. Wow. So we had five days. So I was told that five days, short film festival, short film festival only, that this was possibly the biggest short film festival like in the US. Wow. I don't Ooh. know the absolute mathematics. There's a lot of film blocks. Yeah. yeah. Just strictly short films. Let's pivot away from the film festivals and talk about Astray Productions. What is that? And what do you do? And where did the name come from? We'll bring it back with Brian Sarvis. So Brian Sarvis and I made a feature film, a featurette film called The Madcap Three. And then in 2007, we're like, okay, well, let's do a premiere. We premiered at The Bird. But with that, people are like, you need to start your own production company. So I was a big fan of the comic book Stray Bullets. So at first I was like, oh, Stray Productions? But then someone already took it. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, I used to do the merger of like, you know, like it was like a Stray Productions to still use the Stray. So I just merged those two and you have a Stray. And then right. it was so weird, Jerry. So many people could not pronounce a Stray. Oh, really? They what would they on, say? They kept on adding this phantom H. And will be ashtray. Oh and wow! Me being a straight edge kid that does not smoke, right? <laughs> I'm not even in that world. And just hit the ground running. We're making. We're make, back in the day making music. We're making stuff for anyone. Production, you know, we're documentary, commercials, industrial stuff, and of course, it's also a banner which we can make our own films under straight productions too. Right, right. And still to this day, with our newest film, Cure vs. Everyone. You know, we're still making films. We're still trying to tell the stories that we want to make, having our own production gear. And I think that was our dream. So you just mentioned Kira versus everyone. And I know that's the short that Brian worked on, actually. Yeah, he was the uh, gapper on that. That's a world that you're trying to create. Tell us a little bit about Kira versus everyone. So Kira versus everyone is a conglomerate of two elements that I liked. One, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and another one, V for Vendetta. So it's a revenge film set in a sort of cyberpunk world. You know she has a vendetta. She know you know that she's taking down these characters for a reason. Kira vs. Everyone is your entryway into this into this world, into these characters. That I hope that feature film, hope that series. I love these characters. I think the character design is so cool. I noticed by the way you're wearing a t-shirt for the movie. A little early promotion here. I even had Kenneth Rockford. I have right here. Footnote: Joe's holding up an illustration of Kira by Kenneth Rockefort, who's a noted comic book illustrator. And I'll have a copy of it on the webpage for the show at TV Jerry, as well as a link to the trailer for Kia. And it was just so cool to, to have that. You, you talked about Astray and doing production of all kinds for a living. Obviously, you got to do that. You worked on the Beach Boy 50th anniversary tour. Is that right? I did. Jerry, do you know the Beach Boys? You know what? The very first rock show I ever saw in probably 1964 had the Beach Boys in it. Oh, man. So I saw the original, the full, you know, everybody, Brian, Carl, Mike, everybody was there for that. So, Jerry, this is like a pretty crazy story. I just got done working on a feature film. I got a call. And I was like, what are you doing for the next month and a half? And I was like, who is this? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, can you film, uh, can you help us do one day to document this band. I'll tell you who this band is when we meet in person. So I was like, okay, I'll go on there. And they go like, okay, so have you ever heard of this band called the Beach Boys? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Duh. We're going to document and film the whole 50th Beach Boys anniversary tour. So how was the tour? Were there any interesting stories about working on that? It's so crazy because there's moments when, okay, we got to get the, we got to get the Beach Boys walking in to like the big July 4th celebration over in Utah. 
they're like, well, how do we get this shot? It's like, well, maybe we could just ride in the, we'll, we'll ride in their van with them. Here I am with my gear. And like Mike Love is sitting next to me, then Brian Wilson. So I'm like, but I'm like, so I'm like right there in with them. I'm following them as they're walking onto this big, totally packed football field. I get to experience like the crowd cheering at them while I'm like right. with them filming. And I've never experienced that before in my life. To be a big star yourself. Yeah, to be, I've never experienced being a big star, people cheering for me my whole entire life. And it's so cool. So, you know, yeah, you're killing time. You can't document everything. Nothing's happening sometimes before the show. I'm like, oh, I might as well go get something to eat. I turned the corner and in the catering area, it's literally me and Brian Wilson by himself in the catering area. Wow. And then as I walk in, we lock eyes. And you know what he does to me? He gives me the classic head nod. And I'm like, I just give him a head nod back. It's so cool. Another cool story is, you know, like John Stamos also toured with the Mike Love version of the Beach Boys. One time when he was leaving and I was putting my gear in the car, his car was next to our production car and he would roll down, he rolled down his window and gave us like the salute. He was like, good job, guys. I was Uh like, cool. John Stamos gave us a heads up. Great. One last question I always ask everybody, and I, we already discussed the Iron Claw, but what are you watching when you have a chance to not produce, which sounds like is all the time. I mean, because <laughs> you what? seem to stay busy. Yeah, I did just watch Walker. I literally just posted my review of that this morning, and I thought it was kind of flat. It didn't work for Walker? me. What did you think? Yeah. I couldn't help thinking, was this like the Walker version of, was it The Greatest Showman on Earth? Footnote. It was actually The Greatest Showman and starred Hugh Jackman as the leader of a big new circus spectacle. Because I never saw it. I kept on, but I kept on thinking, is this basically the same thing, but with just like a Wonka, a Wonka skin on top of it? Is that what you thought? Were they, were they no, because that, that was much more about a music. That was actually about a big show. But was it still just one guy trying to like pursue that dream and make something big right right sing about it in the process yeah I, well what do you think about the movie itself so this is why I'm gonna break it down for you probably mentally it wasn't until the third act where I was like okay we're going somewhere because I feel like there's a there's a development process that's sort of like plateaued for me yeah so I just started enjoying other aesthetics <laughs> right I'm not as involved in uh what's his name Timothy uh Chalamet right. yeah so you know, I think what I, I just know him really from Dune. What else did he do? Uh, well, uh, Call Me By Your Name, which was his breakout hit. Yeah. So I was I, I don't know him as much. So I just knew him from Dune. I was like, okay, this is <laughs> this is what it was. It really wasn't until the show became like a Paddington movie that it like clicked on to me. Footnote. Joe mentions Paddington because Paul King, the director of those films, also directed Wonka. And also like it's weird because I'm not much into chocolate. So I'm not uh, like sold on the chocolate aesthetic. The uh, <laughs> first thing I said on my review is as soon as I got home, I had to have a piece of real chocolate because that just felt <laughs> so saccharine. I can I can see what you're saying where it was a little flat, but also I can see there's that point where like, you know, when a director is taken on an assignment you, and he puts on the things that he loves. Right. And I saw that the same thing with like Sam Raimi when he did the Doctor Strange. Oh, right. Like I can see he had no control over the story. So we just put the things that he loves. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's what I saw with this one too. I was like, Wonka has those like heist elements and that the Paddington elements. Yeah. And yeah. when you go into a movie, I'm like, okay, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that sort of that stuff. And it was more it was framed as more of a family action adventure than the original. You know, the yeah. original was about a little boy and the chocolate. And this one was obviously origin story too. So it was a very different story. And 
I didn't love it. So here's the thing. Though it seems like I'm busy, I try to see as many movies that would look great in a theater as possible because I'm literally like 20 minutes away from the Air and Space Museum that has like the biggest IMAX screen and the sound in the whole entire world. Great. Anything big, I literally try to see over there. I've, I've watched as, as much as I possibly can when it comes to IMAX scare, like the Barbie Heimer, I've, saw, right. I've seen all that. Right. I mean, last week I saw Godzilla minus one. Right. Did you see that one? Yeah, I didn't love it. Again, it, I called it a kinder, gentler Godzilla. It was much more about <laughs> community oh, wow. efforts and the emotional stories, and I wanted to see more destruction. So I was a little disappointed in that one. <clears throat> it's weird because I felt like it has that reverse effect that Superman Returns and Man of Steel had. Because Man of Steel, right, was like a thoughtful, more kinder right, story right, of right. Superman. And of course, people didn't want that. So that you got the Zack Snyder destroy him. Right, right, right. I felt like this Godzilla was the opposite of the Godzilla King of Monsters. This is the the thought provoking. Yeah. You know, it's one of those when when you're a director, it's like one for you, one for them. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Well, Joe, I want to thank you so much. This has been fascinating. Learned a lot about you that I never knew when you lived in Richmond. And uh, I will look forward to keeping in touch and finding out what you got coming next. Well, Jerry, I appreciate you giving me this time. I appreciate all the work that you've done just making this show. 25 years? You've been oh, doing- the website's been there 25 years. The podcast has only been two years, but yeah, 25 years. But still, consistency, cons- being a consistent for that long, that's superhuman, sir. Well, thank you. Okay, I guess I'm a superhero then. <laughs> yeah. or maybe I just got nothing better to do, you know, so... Well, I mean, that you know, Jack White, that's how he made one of his greatest hits. He's like, well, I had nothing to better do, so I... We made the song. (laughs) There you go. Well, cool. I'm not going to be writing any songs, but uh, (laughs) I'll keep cranking on there. Joe, thank you again. Thank you so much. That was Joe Carabello, who's a multi-talented creator, writing, shooting, and directing all manner of short and long films, as well as helping run two of Washington, D.C.'s most successful short film festivals. I'll have a link to his websites and a copy of the illustration from Kenneth Roquefort on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. Hollywood flooded screens with new movies last week, so there's nothing new opening this Friday. TV and streaming. Ditto with streaming, although there are a few. Rewind the 90s on Disney is a documentary about the grunge decade. Time Bomb Y2K on Max, a documentary that winds up at the end of the 90s for a look back at the mass hysteria at the turn of the century. Kennedy Center Honors on CBS and Paramount Plus, honoring the 46 honorees, featuring Billy Crystal, Renee Fleming, Barry Gibb, Queen Latifah, and Dionne Warwick. Next week, we'll stay up in Nova and meet Robert Kinsey, director of the Northern Virginia Motion Picture Co-op, and more. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com.